Welcome to Reason Church. My name is Jesse Lusco, and it's just such an honor and a joy to have you here. You know, this is our second week. We're kind of just new at this whole thing, but it's just such a joy to be with you that you'd give us time out of your busy schedule and just, you know, I know getting out of the house can be kind of frantic, chaotic sometimes, and it just means so much that you came out and, uh, and gave us your Sunday morning to spend time with um, just some other people, and maybe you're a person who doesn't typically attend church, maybe you wouldn't consider yourself like a person of faith, we just want you to, your heart to be at rest, we want you to just uh, feel a sense of ease that, you know, we're not going to like try to like trick you into anything or get you to buy something or anything crazy, you can just relax and, uh, and hopefully enjoy yourself this morning. We want this to be a place of warmth and welcome. And not just in this weird, like, salesmanship way, but just in a genuine way. I feel like I walk around sometimes in the world and you just kind of get beat up. You just feel sort of like, I don't know if people really want me here sometimes. Well, hey, this is a place where you're wanted. You are wanted in this place. And uh, we want our church really to be more than just an event. I think church should be an event. It should be something fun, something you look forward to. But it shouldn't just be an event. It should be a family. It should be a community. It should be a place where you're known, where there's big gatherings, but there's also small gatherings where there's friendship and those kinds of things. And so uh, the way we're deliberate about making that possible is we're going to be doing these things called action groups. And action groups, they'll be kicking off this spring. And essentially, they're a way to say, I want to be active in my faith, not just passive. That I want to be active in my workplace, not just passive. That I want to be active in my family, my marriage. That I want to be active in the city. And so action groups, they'll be super chill, super fun. You just, you know, rally together at somebody's house, talk about what's going on in life, cry together, laugh together, make friends. At first, there'll be that awkward time where it's like real weird and it'll be kind of awkward at first. But if you just push past that, it's going to be really rad. And then together, we're going to go and we're going to serve the city. And we wanted to lay a foundation of this from the very beginning. We say here at Reason, we're about three things. And that's reason, passion, and action. And reason, that means that we want to teach people to have a reasonable faith. You know, and a lot of times, faith gets depicted as blind faith. But I think blind faith isn't biblical faith. The Bible talks about how Paul would reason with people in the marketplace. And then we say we want our church to be known for passion, that there'd be real enthusiasm, excitement, that church would be something you enjoy, not just endure, that it'd be something you look forward to, not just look forward to an ending. That's our desire. And then ultimately that it culminate in action. And so we wanted this action aspect of things to be something that was a part of us from the very foundation. Before we ever talked about lights or music or screens or videos, we started partnering with Union Gospel Mission. We started partnering with Embrace Oregon and because the foster care system here in Portland is in a state of crisis. And we want to do more. We feel like we're just getting started and we want you to be a part of it. Now, the final thing where we jump right into like the message and everything that I want to articulate to you is, is sometimes you show up, and even at a church of this size, it can be kind of intimidating. You can feel like you're just a number. But we believe that, that uh, well, we don't just believe this, we know this. You have a name. 
And we want to know it. We want to know your name. And so we don't want anybody to ever walk in here and be like, oh, it's so hard to get connected. It's so hard to get involved. You know, I feel like I got a lot to offer, but nobody even cares. And, you know, we never want anybody to feel that way. And so the way we're delivered about this is we want to invite you to something called the after party. The after party. And we'll throw that, the, the deets for that up there on the screen for you. But the after party is going to be right next door over on that curtain. We'll have some food, some refreshments. It's literally just a party. Just got a little snack for you. And you can come. You can meet my wife and I. You can hear the story behind Reason Church a little bit. And then you can find your fit. You can tap your potential. You can find an area, you know, start serving with kids or with camera or lights or setting up chairs or leading an action group or, or just, we just want to get to know you. So I wanted to invite you to the after party. But I don't know if you've ever noticed how technology does seem to just be getting more and more crazy more and more rapidly. Like, it just seems like exponentially it's more intense. I remember getting my first iPod. Anybody remember getting, like, the first iPod that came out? Can I get a show of hands? And, like, how stoked you were on that thing. I had an iPod mini, and it was like a piece of candy. It was so delicious looking. It's like this bright blue, so shiny. It was glorious. And I just thought I was the coolest guy in the world with my little white earbuds in. But now, if you have anything that doesn't, like, stream music... You, you feel like you're living in ancient history. <laughs> if, if, I don't, if I go like 10 seconds without data, I'm like, what the heck is happening? Where in the world am I? Like, am, am I in Zimbabwe or something? Like, they probably have data over there. What, what do I have against Zimbabwe? They're probably awesome. They probably got better data than us. Anyways, like you, you, just, feel, you just feel like frustrated and stressed out. And I think another area where, uh, where technology has really taken leaps and bounds is in the area of movie rentals. Anybody feel me? Blockbuster? It's like, what the heck is that? Go to a museum and get a blockbuster cassette tape. It'll be awesome. But it really is fast. Now I just, I don't even own a DVD player. I just do everything on Apple TV. And they didn't pay me to say that, by the way. But like, I just do everything on Apple TV. And it's nice because there's no late fees involved. (laughs) Really fantastic. It's like, I I don't know, Redbox uh, could probably just like come re, re, like repossess my home because, because of how many red boxes I returned late. And they, and they gouge you, and it's just crazy. It keeps going. But uh, a while ago, I was going to a cabin up where there wasn't going to be any Wi-Fi. And I'm like, hey, let's get a red box, whatever. We're in the grocery store. So we go get a red box, and as I'm scrolling through the films, trying to pick something to watch, I see a little feature called The Walking Deceased. All right, The Walking Deceased. You heard me right. Right next to Metal Man. <laughs> and what this is, is it's essentially this production company, the same people who brought you Sharknado. <laughs> they make these films where their entire business model is for people to watch their movies on accident. Like, that is their entire plan. It's brilliant. It's genius. They keep production costs at an all-time low they just max up the plagiarism, you know? And that's how they roll. And uh, can you just imagine how funny it would be if you had a friend and you were, like, talking to him about how much you loved Iron Man or the Avengers or something, and they're like, oh, yeah, I saw that movie. I don't know what all the fuss is about. That movie's kind of awful. Like, that Robert Downey Jr. guy can't act, you know? Or, or, or so you're talking to somebody like, the Walking Dead, it is, I, I'm a, it's a tearjerker. I'm crying. I'm crying at the end of every season because some girl always dies. Spoiler alert. And then your friend is like, no, nah, man, I don't know what you're saying. Like, Andrew Lincoln, that guy's horrible. 
And then a little while goes by and you come to find out they never saw the walking dead. They were watching the walking deceased. And you would be outraged and you'd be like, what the heck? How could you not like it? You never even saw the real thing. You can't judge it. You've got a knockoff. You've got a cheap, fraudulent, asylum counterfeit. It's a mockbuster. <laughs> Terrible. That's how I feel walking around talking about Jesus sometimes. I feel like I walk around sometimes and people are like, man, that religion stuff, that just ain't for me. I'm like... I'm glad you're not religious. Religious people murdered Jesus. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like these people, they've judged it. They've kind of had their critique sometimes on Jesus, but they don't even know Jesus. They've been watching a knockoff. They've been watching the mockbuster. But here's the thing. Just like films put those copyright FBI warnings before the movie, the Bible does the same thing. Over and over and over and over again. Jesus and all the authors of the New Testament and the Old Testament as well warn that there's going to be fakes. There's going to be phonies. There's going to be imposters, pretenders. There's going to be catfish. And that's what I titled my message this morning, Catfish. And don't worry, I'll explain later if you don't already know what that means. But here's a verse, you should write it down. Everybody should know this verse, especially living in Portland. Check this out. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And we're just going to summarize verse 1, but it says this. There will be false teachers among you, and many of them will follow their depraved conduct, and they will bring the way of the truth in disrepute. disrepute. See, there's false teachers who ruin the reputation of the truth. I told you last week that Satan, he means opponent, but the word devil means slanderer. What does a slanderer do? He ruins your reputation. And there's false teachers, fake Christians, phonies, frauds, imposters, who ruin the reputation of the real Jesus. And Jesus, he didn't just have Peter warn about it, he warned about it himself. So look with me in Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus saying, saying, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help father or mother is, quote-unquote, devoted to God, they're not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, saying, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings, get this, underline it, their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen, understand. 
What goes into somebody's mouth doesn't defile them. It's what comes out of their mouth that defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father hasn't planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into a pit. Lord, you don't want us to be fake, and you don't want us to be fooled. You want to give light to our eyes. You want to open the eyes of our understanding. You want us to see reality, to be real, to know what's real, to know you for real. I pray that if anybody in here has seen all the bad press, all the bad publicity, all the ruined reputation because of the knockoffs, Lord, I pray they'd get the real thing today. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in a four-part series called Break Some Rules. And I've asked you, you know, just stick it out for the full series because it's going to be best as like a full meal deal. All right, it's going to make the most sense that way. But we're in a series called Break Some Rules. And we're talking about how Jesus, even though uh, he's kind of been portrayed as the poster child of, of tradition and conservative values and all this, in his day and age, Jesus was a radical He led a youth movement. He was bad to the bone. And we said last week that the religious right reached across the aisle to the liberal left, and they both murdered him. That Jesus, he doesn't fit in your political party. He's a party crasher. That's Jesus. And we're talking about how he came and he broke some rules. And the rule he broke last week was the age-old adage, don't drink, don't chew, Don't go with those who do. And Jesus, there he was in the midst of the party with the tax collectors and prostitutes. And and the religious God squad rolls in and says, what are you doing sitting with those guys? And he's like, dude, I'm a doctor. I came to hang around with sick people. That's what I do. But this week, the empire strikes back. The empire strikes back. And here come the Pharisees one more time. And they're busting Jesus for what? Not washing his hands before he eats. Scandalous. And don't people get so disturbed by religious people just being petty? By like giving all these arbitrary rules? You know, parents, I've only been a parent for like two years. I'm actually more experienced at being a kid. (laughs) But I can tell you firsthand, parents, that like if we teach rules without reasons, it's a recipe for rebellion. If you teach rules without reasons, it's a recipe for rebellion, arbitrary power, arbitrary authority. It just will not work. It'll just produce fakes. And you might have this little princess, but she's just faking it for you. You've got to be real. God wants reality. That's what he wants. But these guys come, and, and they're critics. And we know what's really happening here is they're peanut butter and jealous, all right? Mark's going to tell us later that they hand Jesus over to Pilate because of envy, and they're jealous of him, and, and, and they bust him for all kinds of stuff. He's always breaking rules, and they're always coming like, oh, shocked, scandalized. One time, Jesus heals this guy, but he does it on the wrong day of the week. All right, and they're like, how could you? And if I were Jesus, I'd be like, how many guys have you healed this week at all? <laughs> it's kind of like Jesus is the man of steel, and he like flies off into the horizon, and they're like, he doesn't have FAA clearance. How could he do that? I think you guys, that was a joke. I don't know if you guys got that one. But 
They're just so disturbed, all the rules and the policies. It's like, uh, I think that's not really the point. I think it's just amazing that he's flying. It's just amazing that he's doing this, and you should be blown away. You know, it's really easy to live life as a critic. I think Portland's full of critics. It's full of cynical people. It's, full of, it's very easy to be critical. I've fallen into the trap many times myself. People love to hate. It's like the great theologian Sean Carter said, success is like suicide. If you succeed, prepare to be crucified. You know, that's how it can be sometimes. I would rather be an artist than an art critic. I'd rather be a musician than a music critic. I'd rather be a filmmaker than a film critic because it's a whole lot easier to criticize than create. So what if reason was this place of genuine positivity? What if it was this life-giving place where we just encouraged each other, and not just like the staff and the volunteers and the preachers, but what if we were a whole people of God who just like people felt built up and, and exalted and lifted up, and they lifted up their heads when they came into this place? Doesn't that sound incredible? Isn't that just the way you want to live your life? Yeah, you can put your hands together for that. You can put your hands together for that. First thing you can write down, though, that we're going to take extract from this text is that we can be right with a wrong heart. We can be right with a wrong heart. And I say we, not you, because it can happen to me. Jesus is going toe-to-toe with religious leaders. I can be the one on the stage, but the most guilty one in the building. And so it's a warning for each and every one of us. I'm not preaching at you, down to you. Man, I'm preaching at eye level because I'm a sinner too. And some people are like, no, you shouldn't say you're a sinner. Well, Paul said he was the chief of sinners in his last epistle he ever wrote. So I think it's okay to say that I'm a sinner as a preacher, just FYI. But like, just being real. But you can be right with the wrong heart. Look at verse 8. It says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they worship me. Their teachings are merely human rules. See, the thing about rules is that you can keep rules without being real. You can keep rules without being real. And the Pharisees, they were the right guys. I mean, we'll leave that up on the screen for you, just that point up there, that you can be real with the wrong heart. The Pharisees, they were right. They read the right Bible. They prayed the right prayers. They sang the right songs. They went to the right temple. They did all the right things, but they were dead wrong. And they murdered the righteous one. See, God wants reality. It says in the Psalms that he desire. he says, you desire truth in my inward parts. What God wants more than anything is just for you to be real, to truly trust him. Now, this whole thing about washing hands, it was something good from the Old Testament. They were reading the right Bible, but they were doing it in the wrong way. For all the wrong reasons. I told you last week there's two ways to sin. There's the obvious way to do bad things. Everybody knows that. That's how you sin. You do bad things. But there's a more devious way to sin. That's doing right things for the wrong reasons. In other words, motives matter. Motives matter. 
And they were doing the right thing. They were washing their hands because God's like, I don't, I don't want you to get like no diseases. Like just wash your hands, Israelites. Like I don't want you getting the plague. Bring out some hand sanitizer up in here. Like that's basically what the Old Testament said. But they made it this weird showy thing and they get all creepy and religious. And they're like, no, you have to let the water run this way off your wrist. And oh, you guys didn't do it right. You must not be accepted. And, and that's how religion always is. It's all these rituals and externals. And it's basically a way to say, hey, I'm in, but you're out. That's what tradition always boils down to. It's just a way to say, like, hey, I'm, I'm important and I'm big. You can live your life trying to make other people feel small, make yourself feel big, making other people feel inferior, making yourself feel superior. But you're not going to be close to God. That's not God's heart. That's not how he rolls. And if you're here today and you're a skeptic and you're not a person of faith, I just need you to know I'm so sorry. If religious people in the name of God have made you feel that way. Because that is not the heart of God. That's not the heart of Jesus. You know, a lot of people say that all religions are basically the same. And they, they look at religion and they just say, oh, it's basically just good morals. But I didn't bring you here this morning to tell you good morals. I came here to tell you good news. Because a lot of religion is about good morals, it's about good works. You know the word karma, I mean you can do all kinds of religious works. You can keep the five pillars of Islam, you can keep the ten commandments, you can uh, make your pilgrimage, you can get on a karma payment plan with modest mouse. But the word karma, it means deeds. And all religion basically boils down to deeds. It boils down to works. But only the gospel deals with our hearts. Only the gospel deals with our motives. Only the gospel can do that heart transplant. Because you can keep the rules for all the wrong reasons. You can say the right words like these guys, but, but do it for all the wrong reasons. You can major on minors and exteriors and the way things look. And, and, and the truth is, God, he doesn't want anything out of you out of obligation. He's after your heart. That's what he wants more than anything else. He wants the real you. Now, that doesn't mean you always feel like it. There's a lot of times I don't feel like doing a lot of things, but I do it by faith because I trust him. And that's what God desires. You check this verse out. Titus chapter two, chapter 3, starting in verse 2. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Teach them to speak evil of no one. Hey, watch out, critics. Watch out, critics. Teach them to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, to be gentle, showing humility to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out abundantly in us in, in Christ Jesus our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Why? Why should we do good works? To get to heaven? To earn our way? To prove how good we are? No. Because these things are profitable. They're good for everybody. That's why. You know, Barna Group did a study where they said 
of evangelical Americans don't believe that verse. 63% of evangelicals believe you can get to heaven by your good deeds. But you know what's so beautiful? The reason why the gospel isn't good morals, the gospel is good news, it's because the gospel tells us we're saved by mercy, not by merit. And that I don't do good things to prove to God how good I am. I do good things because I believe how good God is. And you could put your hands together for that. You could celebrate that truth. If you're saved by what you do, there's always someone who's done less than you for you to look down on. There's always somebody who's done less than you for you to look down on. But you know what? The grace of God, it frees you from the manipulation of men. It frees you from the manipulation of men. Next thing you could write down is that we can keep the rules but reject God's word. See, the thing is you can keep the rules without being real. You can keep the rules and still be a fake. I had a really interesting conversation with this guy in, in England. I was over in England last summer, and I was talking with this guy in southern England outside of a pub. And he tells me he's Catholic, and he's like, you know, I, I go to Mass every week. I do not miss Mass. But I do it as a tradition. I do it just because it's kind of what my parents do, and it's what I've always done. And I'm like 40 now. I still don't miss Mass but I'm gonna, it's Saturday, I'm going to go get plastered in that pub right there. And I'm going to go to Mass the next morning, and I'm going to confess, and then I'm going to do it all over again. And I'm like, wow, you are a very honest individual. I like to talk to you. <laughs> he was very real with me. He's like, I don't, I don't really see the point. I was like, dude, that's because you're missing the point. It's because what God doesn't want is a bunch of rituals. What he wants is your heart. He wants you to really trust him, to, to not follow rules. Jesus doesn't come into you and say rules. Jesus says, rise. Got a better way to live. There's something better for you, something deeper, something richer, something sweeter, something you've been looking for and longing for. You know, this passage from Isaiah that he quotes, the passage goes on, and, and basically it says there are people who hide in the darkness saying the Lord doesn't see, the Lord doesn't know. And it's not just the Catholics, okay? We're not targeting Catholics here. It's the evangelicals. There can be all kinds of weird traditions like, you got to close your eyes when you pray. It's like, why? I don't know. You just do it. <laughs> it's like, oh, you, have you done your devotions yet? And you know, the Pharisees had good intentions, but it just got warped and it got corrupted and it got all judgy and all compare-y. And those aren't even words, but I'm saying them, okay? And they just got all messed up. And Jesus warned about that, and it can be us evangelicals, and, it, it, and people complain about the hypocrites in the church. They complain about it all the time, and, and they talk about it constantly. There's an interesting thing that happened to Robin Williams, and it's heartbreaking, and even talking about him, I just want to say that, that, that we do live in a fallen world, and we have broken bodies, and that maybe you struggle with depression, and, and that's a real issue. And Reason Church is here because we want to give people a reason to live for. Can we just put our hands together for that? <clears throat> but something interesting happened to Robin Williams. There was a lookalike who looks identical to him named Michael Clayton. And Michael Clayton realized that he looked like uh, good old Peter Pan, that he looked like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> So he thought, well, I might as well capitalize on it. And he started having charity events, pretending to be Robin Williams, and then taking the money. 
And he was ruining Robin Williams' reputation. So what did Robin do? He sued the living daylights out of that guy like any Hollywood star would. (laughs) He dealt with him swiftly. But how much sense would it make if you got swindled by Michael Clayton and because of it you hated Robin Williams? Would that make any sense? If you're like, I'm never going to watch a Hook movie again. I'm never going to watch a Dead Poets Society. I despise that stuff. It's traumatizing. It might be understandable. It might be relatable, but you need to know Robin doesn't like Michael Clayton either. And in the same way, Jesus, he calls them hypocrites, you fakers, you imposters, you fools, you players. You're swindling everybody. You don't even take care of your own parents. You say that you're devoted to God, but you don't even love your own moms and dads who he brought you into this earth. Jesus is just as frustrated with the fakes as you are. And it doesn't make any sense to reject the real Christ because of fake Christians. It doesn't make any sense. And I can understand your pain, but I just need you to know that. Next thing you could write down is that we can wash up, but have blood on our hands. We can wash up, but have blood on our hands. Leaders need to be so cautious. He says here, the blind leading the blind. The greatest fear that grips my heart, and I'm not just saying this because it sounds good. I can tell you from the bottom of my heart. The greatest fear I possibly have is that I could get God's power, that I could get God's favor, but lack God's character. These are the things that truly keep me up at night. These are the things that haunt me. I would much rather spend the rest of my life being a barista at some dope coffee shop here in Portland and live a faithful life and love my wife well and lead my family well and be legit than ever have some big move of God and Instagram followers and all this prestige and have somebody say to me one day what Nathan the prophet said to David. Look with me in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. It's after David, he's the king of Israel, writes all these psalms. He kills a dude and sleeps with his wife. And Nathan the prophet calls him to the carpet. He says, by this deed, you've given great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. If I can just live out the rest of my life without anybody ever saying that to me, that I've given great occasion for the enemies of God to curse him, to hate him, I will have lived an epic life. I will have lived well. I want God's character, not just God's favor. I want God's character. I want his heart. I want my heart to look like his heart. That's what I want so deeply. How many examples are there of injustice being justified by religion? Isn't that what you hear people talk about constantly? Injustice that has been justified in the name of religion. The Salem witch trials, the Inquisition, the Crusades, the pedophiles, the priests. We hear people talk about it day in and day out. How many of you ever heard, on the other hand, somebody ever say this? I just want to raise your hand. Have you ever heard somebody say, the most important thing in life is to do what makes you happy? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Raise your hand. The most important thing in life is to do what makes you happy. Here's the thing. The Crusades made Pope Innocent III very happy. 
They made Pope Innocent the third rich. The Inquisition probably made him happy. In some warped, distorted way, when pedophiles take advantage of children, that probably makes them happy. And so here's the problem with the secular worldview. And, and if you're a secular person, I love you. I would go to lunch with you. I'm not kidding. I have friends who are atheists. I love them. They're beautiful people. But the secular worldview lacks the resources to deal with the injustice we all see in the world. Because if there is no God and you are the highest power, you can't complain about injustice. You can't complain about hypocrisy. It's every man for himself. Do as you please. Do what you want. But we all know that's wrong and we all crave justice. And we all crave reality. And we're all disgusted by hypocrisy because we're made in God's image and he's disgusted by hypocrisy. You could celebrate that. And the Bible says one day he's going to deal with it. It says in this text, one day the father's going to uproot all the fakes. There's weeds growing in his garden and he's patient and he's letting them grow. And sometimes we can't tell the difference between a plant and a weed, but one day God's going to pluck them out. He's going to uproot them. There's justice coming, but he's a patient, good father. You know, it's interesting that he talks about honoring father and mother. I've heard it said that if your Christianity doesn't work at home, your Christianity doesn't work. If your Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. And we can all complain about hypocrisy on the world stage. We can all get rallied around some cause across the globe but still treat those closest to us like crap. We can all be like, I'm so mad about ISIS. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so mad. How could they do that? And then, and then we're still just treating people next to us like garbage. And, and, and all of us do that. And I can recognize the troll in your soul because there's one lurking inside my heart. I'm not superior to you. I'm a messed up dude. If you watched me all week long, Man, I, I, I feel nervous and awkward because I, I'm worried that my neighbors hear me and my wife fight. <laughs> like, for real, like, like, I'm really forgetful, and she's Latin. <laughs> and that's a recipe for disaster. Just being real, man. We're just being real here. They're kind of they're loud sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. And, and, and it's intense, and sparks fly. But you know what else you'd see if you followed me around? You'd see us repent. You'd see us forgive each other. You'd see us reconcile. And that's what God wants more than anything. He just wants on that realness, all right? That's what God wants. He just wants reality, truth in our inward parts. You know, a doctor can't help you if you won't admit that you're sick. And a savior can't save you unless you admit you're a sinner. And that was the Pharisees' biggest problem. They thought, I'm not a sinner. I got it going on. I know what I'm doing. I do my rituals. You see my ritual hand washing? I do the backwards wrist thing perfectly. And meanwhile, God's like, no, no, you're dirty on the inside. I see you. It's bad. Last thing, we're going to have the band come back up, is that we can be kept out of heaven by sons of hell. We can be kept out of heaven by sons of hell. In eight chapters, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is going to say the harshest words about the Pharisees he ever says. He's going to say, you convert people to your movement and you turn them into twice the son of hell as you. Whew, that's a bad day when God tells you that. That's pretty rough. That's pretty bad. S supposedly 75% of kids raised in the church are going to bail one day 
And according to USA Today, they're going to bail because they feel like people in the church are hypocrites. People in the church are judgmental. People in the church are self-righteous. Can I just tell you that's not like Jesus? And word to God that that wouldn't be true of Reason Church. Reason Church would be known for its realness. It would be known for its community. God was into being authentic before it was cool. He was, and, and, and that's our desire. I had a uh, conversation with a fascinating fellow who told me he's an entrepreneur type, and he got a little mixed up along the way. And when he was 16, he actually started a website and like got this deal with some company over in the, in the East, and he was selling fake Nikes on eBay. And he made almost like close to $20,000 doing it as a 16-year-old. You might guess that Nike didn't like that so much. (laughs) Nike didn't care for that so much. They didn't think it was that cool. And so they actually filed a lawsuit for $6 million with this guy. And eventually once they found out he was 16, he actually just had to pay them the profits. It's a true story. It blew my mind when he told me. Here's the thing. Imagine being the person who paid good money for a pair of knockoff Nikes. You'd be pretty mad, right? He'd be mad about it. He'd be like, I, I got ripped off. I got swindled. Would it make any sense to never wear a pair of Nikes ever, ever again? No. No, 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 no. You see, the best way to stick it to the fakes is to get real. That's the best way to stick it to the fakes is to get a real pair because it made Nike just as mad as you. And when fake Christians show you this judgment holding picket signs and and waving banners and and, and getting all up in your grill and judging you and making you feel like an outsider and making you feel inferior, you need to know Jesus is just as mad as you are. You could celebrate that. He's just as mad as you are. And we're going to shut this thing down, but I want to share something, and I don't share this. I share this just to be real because I feel like there's somebody in here who's like, Okay, I feel you, man. I feel you. God don't like the Crusades. I got you. I understand, like, the catfish, the fake online social media profile. Like, the catfish shouldn't keep us from the love we're looking for. I got you. I feel you. But what happens if the hypocrisy wasn't just in the Middle Ages? What if the hypocrisy hit a little closer to home? Hey, I just want you to know that I feel you. When I was two years old, a drummer from our church sexually abused me. He did it several times. I don't even fully recall it or remember. And it'd be really easy for me to be like, God, I hate your guts. Why the heck did you allow that to happen? And that's how I did feel. When I was nine years old, I told my best friend my only goal in life was to find that man and murder him. But then I met the God of grace. And I didn't let the catfish keep me from the love I was looking for. And Jesus, he swept me away in his grace. And I could tell you that if I met that man today, even though justice is coming for him, and even though God's going to deal with it, I could let God be God. And I could tell that man, I forgive you. And you're either going to pay for that sin at the second coming, or or Jesus is going to pay for that sin at the cross. But justice is coming, and, and I don't have to let that control me. I don't have to let the fakes keep me from what's real. You came here to Reason Church this morning to find out 
that there's a lot of frauds. There's a lot of transmorphers and metal man. There's a lot of walking deceased out there. But when you get the real thing, it's pretty good. I want to invite you to get real, to get right. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be trained on people. Maybe they're a pacifist, but I'm just going to use a non-pacifist metaphor. I pray that your, your Holy Spirit would be on them like a heat-seeking missile. That you just be, they might be dodging your call, but you just keep on calling. They might be running from you. They might feel frustrated and bitter against you. And like, why does this happen? Why does this happen? Well, God made us in his image. That means we have choice. That means we have volition. And you have a choice right now to not let the fakes keep you from getting real. To, to, to not use the silly excuse. It's like, oh man, I, all right, I'm cool with Jesus, but I'm not cool with the church. Hey, you can't change the church from outside of it. Let the realness start with you. You be the source of community. You be the source of authenticity. You, you, you let Jesus work through you in his church. That's what I'm trying to do, and I'm not perfect at it. But if that's you this morning, I just want you to know that I feel your pain. I've been where you've been. I know what it's like to be hurt by the frauds. But don't let that stop you from getting the real thing. Don't let all the empty rules the empty ritual. Don't let tradition keep you from truth. Don't let externals keep you from internals. Don't let, don't let religion keep you from redemption because that's what our hearts crave. If that's you, if you need redemption, if you need healing, you need Jesus to cleanse you of that bitterness, I just want to invite you to raise your hand up. I like to do it just as a, a sign of honesty, as a sign of humility just it's just a it's a freeing thing just to in humility lift that hand up if that's you just raise it up you need to meet jesus you're done with the fakes you want to get real just raise your hand up amazing it's beautiful all right you can just keep it up for one more moment hey on the other hand maybe you've been the fake maybe you've been the fraud maybe you've been the pharisee it's time for you to get real too just raise that hand up say i want to get real i want to get right I want to know Jesus. I don't just want rules and rituals. I want to be real. Just raise that hand up. Raise that hand up. It's beautiful. Just pray this out loud with me. The Bible says you don't got to go climb Mount Olympus. You don't have to get on a karma payment plan. You don't have to go to Mecca. You don't have to to be a perfect little schoolboy. All you got to do is get real. Just pray this out loud. Say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. And that I've been kept from you by my sins and other people's. But I want to know you. I want to trust you. I want to get real. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate what's going on in here? It's amazing. It's amazing. Hey, just got two quick thoughts. We want to shut this thing down. There's a band playing in here tonight, and so we got to get out fast. If you want to help us tear down, that'd be rad. But hey, two thoughts, just real quick. They're really important. One is that if you prayed that prayer or if you're new and you want to get involved, come to the after party. We got good food. <laughs> All right, come kick it with us. We want to meet you. Second thing, and, and I know that the, ch- the symbols guy is getting a little carried away. Take it easy, symbols guy. Just kidding. I love you, Eric. You're beautiful. <clears throat> The other thing is that if you believe in what's going on in this place, you can be a part of it, either with your time, your talent, or your treasure. 
We don't want to rob you. We don't want to swindle you. How ridiculous would it be if I was like giving this whole spiel about hypocrisy and then lining my pockets? Man, we're about integrity here. That's our top priority. But if you believe in it, you can give right now. Throw it up there. Throw it up there. Come on. You can give. You just text a text message to 503-831-9255. We think it's amazing that God hooked us up with a spot on East Burnside and 7th. But this place ain't free, yo. <laughs> and so, like, if you if you want to be a part of this thing, you can be a part of it. Hey, but if you don't know Jesus, you're a skeptic. We don't want your money, man. We just want to be your friend. That's it. But, hey, love you guys. Come to the after party. Have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.